What is up, everybody? It's time for the Pastor with No Answers and Friends podcast. It's good to have y'all back, back, back. If you're gay, if you're straight, if you're male, female, black, white, remember that song, red and yellow, black and white, what's red? I've never seen a red person. Well, quite frankly, I've never seen a black person. Look at the color black. You ever seen a person the shade of black? While I'm at it, what about white? If you've seen someone that is truly white, they dead. <laughs> they are not uh, alive. Oh, man. Looking forward to a hey, true story. True story. So... I was at a, this is one of my earliest memories of my childhood. I was at a YMCA day camp, summer camp. And I remember it was a small group of kids, literally four. And all I remember one of their names, because his name was Cal, C-A-L. And I thought that joker's name was Cal, C-O-W. And I just thought to myself, that is just the craziest name. Like what parents name their son Cal? So I remember him, and I remember he was a jerk, and he was really mean to me because I was like the youngest out of those four. And so my, I only have a visual of the other two is a is a, a a black guy, and a blonde white girl. And so it was me, cow, moo, the black guy, and the blonde headed white girl, and. Like I said, I was the youngest, and I was honestly kind of slow as a youngster. My I, Another true story, when I was in the first grade, I was in the lowest reading group. My mom's like, uh-uh. My mom was a school teacher. By the end of the third grade, I was in the highest reading level. So I owe a lot to my mom with academics and all that stuff, but I just was kind of a slower kid. And so I remember so clearly, I was probably four or five years old, maybe six, but I'm thinking more in the five range. We were cutting out these caterpillars. Like it was like these caterpillars that we colored and then we cut them out. I just could not cut them out well. And I swear... (laughs) (laughs) the black guy and the blonde-headed white girl had, like, the foresight to know Joey's screwing that caterpillar up. And if Cal sees Joey's horrible cutting with scissors, he's going to make fun of them. They signaled to me to hand the caterpillar to them under the table, and those two cut the caterpillar out for me so that it looked decently so we basically lied to cow cow is what i thought his name was we lied to him it's like look look at my work isn't it good and all along my other two friends my other two advocates did it for me wasn't that a loving thing i mean we all lied but golly, those two were so loving and caring and really didn't want me to be made fun of. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. I've got, I really feel that honesty and dishonesty is more about love than anything. And there's a lot of very loving lies. <laughs> Before we get to that, though, and also we've got the writer and director of a Hallmark movie that I actually really enjoyed. Who doesn't enjoy a Hallmark movie every now and then? I want to welcome Joey Ruh, one of the coolest last names ever. Joey Ruh 
to the patron page or the patron group of Pastor With No Answers. Half of what he gives will go to Donor C. We partner up with those guys to help people that are in really, really emergency bad situations. Sometimes it's just actually getting someone an education, but sometimes it's health, health, uh, life threatening deals that, that we help out with. So go, you can go to donorc.com forward slash PWNA helps and see what our current opportunity is. But Joey, thank you so much for becoming a patron. Any of my current patrons, if you increase your giving, all of your increase will go to our Donor C monthly opportunity. And then for those of you that become a patron, a new patron, half of what or or more or all of it, whatever you want it uh, to go to Donor C, that's what will happen. So we also have a Facebook discussion page and man, some heavy stuff. So last week I talked uh, to Jimmy Hinton and heard his story of his father who was a pastor and also a uh, predator and sexually molested many people, including his sister and uh, very likely including himself. And so I threw out a question on our discussion page asking people if they have been sexually molested, if they know someone being sexually molested or or had been sexually molested. Have you been sexually molested in the, from uh, someone in the church? Just some heavy stuff, heavy stuff. Sometimes it's lighthearted over there, but come uh, join us. Check us out. We would love to have you. So I want to let you know that the current Donor C opportunity, if you go over there right now, you'll be able to check it out. It is inspired by our next week's episode. We will be tributing to a young girl named Natalie who actually lost her fight with cancer back in 2008. Her mother wrote a book on grief and hope and all of that stuff entangled with losing a child. It's probably the heaviest episode that I've ever done. So I contacted Donor Seat to see, hey, is there a 13-year-old girl who has like a life-threatening condition? And sure enough, there was. So in honor of Natalie, we are going to try to save someone's life. So that will be next week. And I do want to let you guys know of some shows that are coming up. We've got our resident counselor, pastor, theologian, Chip Judd, who is actually going to go head-to-head with Chris Date of the Rethinking Hell podcast, and they're going to debate predestination. It's going to be awesome. We've got the Preachers and Sneakers creator, that Instagram that just blew up a few years ago. He's going to be coming on here to talk about his new book. We've got Chris Singleton, who is a professional athlete, a speaker, motivational speaker, and he lost his mother in the Charleston Nine shooting uh, a few, uh, a handful of summers ago. We've got Scott McKnight, the author of The Blue Parakeet, which if you haven't read that book and you're kind of in a in a process of questioning and figuring out your faith, it's a great book on uh, a very practical, insightful way of reading the Bible. Really helped me out a lot. But him and his daughter were part of Willow Creek when Bill Hybels was exposed for what he had been doing for years. And so they actually wrote a book together talking about the toxicity of uh, church cultures with pastors and just why so many people are falling. I've got my pastor and his wife coming on as Priscilla and I continue our story about my 2019 mental breakdown. They were with us 
shoulder to shoulder. Uh, man, I, I just I can't say enough about them. So they're going to be coming on and and talking to us. We've got an episode on. An, uh, I'm going to be talking to an organization that is pro medical assisted. Uh, it's not euthanasia. He said that euthanasia is when other people can make a decision to put you down, where assisted medical death, I guess, is is basically up to you. It's your decision. So we're going to talk about that as well. So, okay, okay, okay. I'll be quiet. Moving into, first of all, a Hallmark movie producer, writer, director. I don't know if he's the writer or not, but it's a good movie. I ain't gonna lie. And then Ellen Morrow and my wife Priscilla Spenson entertain my theory on good lies. If I could see you all, I'd be blowing you a kiss right now. Hope you enjoy. There's a guy on this podcast, Anthony Woodle, who passed away. We did a, an episode with him that I think it was, my name's Anthony and I'm going to die. So he's like a Halloween fanatic and like that's his favorite holiday. He did a like a haunted house for the homeless and everything. So check this out. The, his, his boss, who was the owner of the theater that Anthony worked at, he was a movie producer and he has kind of some connections. And so he reached out to Jamie Lee Curtis and asked her, to, told her the situation. And she actually called Anthony, talked to him for a really long time. And Anthony, before he died, he got to see the brand new Halloween that no one has seen yet. So it was like really, really cool. It was really cool. Yeah, because we were trying, I mean, our our church and the movie theater, we were trying to actually put something together, like let them travel the country or fly them overseas. And then COVID happened and none of those, none of those things were options. Yep. Yep. So, uh, Mr. David Maccabee, it's good to have you with us. And, um, that what sparked the Halloween conversation is that cool Halloween shirt you got on. <laughs> it's the season, bro. It's the heck season. Yeah. Heck yeah. So man, last Sunday night. So two nights ago, not sure when this episode will air, but our family sat down and watched for the love of Jesse. And cool. you were right, man. It is straight up Hallmark. <laughs> like if you like a Hallmark movie, you are going to love this. Like, I, so I want to go on the record and say I thoroughly enjoyed it. And I say this because I want to mess with you a bit. I've never gotten to like do this with a director of a movie that I just watched. So I, when the main character's mom did like a complete 180, she stopped being like a teetotal bitch to spoil alert for her future daughter-in-law. I turned, I turned to my wife and I said, wait, I was like, I put on pause. I said, that happened too fast. I said, you think she's being like deceitful or manipulative? And she just kind of glared at me. I was like, Oh, it's a Hallmark movie. It did happen that fast. <laughs> you don't need to explain it too much. It just happened. Right. Exactly. Here's what I thought was cool, man, is the movie started and then like a few minutes later, tragedy, people dying. It really sucks you right in, man. So hats off. Hats off. Cool, man. Thank you. It was uh 
it was a, a beast to get through. I, I, I briefly told you in, in our beginning emails, like we, you know, we had a cast member die like three weeks before we were set to film. We had the script fall through money, fall through like everything manage, uh, manage, uh, that could have, could have happened, happened to stop this movie from happening. And, you know, God willing. Yeah. We made yeah. It. And I, I'm actually really curious about the, the move, like the operational side of things. So, First of all, you you had mentioned that you you were setting out to actually do a horror movie. Is that that's something that you want to do? Well, my my first film, uh, it's a short. It's called Night Terrors. Yeah. Um, that that I made just uh, a year before Jesse okay. came out, and stars like Lorraine Landon, who was in like Maniac Cop and a a bunch of horror movies in the eighties, like the Canon yeah. series. She was in a that stuff, and Jack Grisham from. Uh, the legendary punk rock band TSOL. I got him to come out and play a role Dang. and it's on Amazon now. And it was super fun to make. And that's obviously my, my jam. So um, how, what the hell happened? How'd you get, how'd you get this? Yeah. Was it, was it an assignment or you're just like, eh, you know, horror movies are all right, but Hallmark baby, let's do that. <laughs> I've said that forever. It's like Hallmark is my jam. Yeah. Like I'm going to do it. Let's do it. So I made night tears and the producers of Jesse saw night tears and we had worked on this other project that kind of fell through and they pitched for the love of Jesse to this other writer and other director. And he, he did kind of what you and I have been doing is like, ha, it's dumb. It, ha, like kind of laughed it off. So the producers came to me and pitched me the idea and I was like, let's, let's do it. Yeah. Like, no one's knocking down my door to like make a movie for someone else. I've only done my own stuff right. from here and like kind of what a let's, let's challenge accepted. Basically yeah. let's do it. Like really lean into this like dramatic Hallmark version. Yeah. They wanted a lifetime Hallmark movie and I feel like I delivered them a yeah. lifetime. Hallmark. Yeah, for sure. And that, I mean, that's the thing is it's like, if if people if you don't like Hallmark movies, don't watch this movie. If you if you like Hallmark movies, there is kind of like a a formula to like a, it, it, it's so neat because you you gotta you gotta be good at what you're doing because right when the movie starts, within five or ten minutes, you know who's going to get together and fall in love. So like the the challenge for you is to make it interesting along the way and and to like have a compelling story, you know. And that was like one of the arguments I always had with our executive producer, Kurta, um, who's amazing, by the way. And they they pitched this movie to me and it's her story. And she gave me the freedom to write it. Um, and I was like, listen, we have to like everyone gets it from the first five minutes. <laughs> put it together. But like, what can we do to make them want to keep right. going like to that journey with with these two people and everyone else for the next 90 minutes? What is so important about these people that they know where the ending is going, but they still want to right. watch? Yeah, for sure. Well, it, it was you did a good job. So I, I'm I'm curious what what's the the main character died like six months before you. Uh, so check this out. So Kurta Schlarbaum, the executive producer, worked with myself uh, and my 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 buddy Blake Heron, who was a child actor back in the '80s and '90s, and acted throughout the 2000s he was a, a, a phenomenal actor and pitched us a story and we're both kind of like old rockers punk rockers and we're like he's like he was tatted neck arms everything and to look at him you wouldn't think hallmark right. you wouldn't think 
Uh, I'm um, looking at you right guy. now, and I'm not thinking Hallmark. <laughs> I, my wife looks at me and goes, "Not Hallmark." <laughs> uh, and and we both were like, "Challenge accepted." Let's 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 if we're going to do it, let's really lean into it. So it, it took me about a year to write the script, give or take, and I was writing it for him, for Blake, for Mandala, who who plays uh, Sage in it. So did were you given kind of a guide, like when? Uh, who, the executive producer, does he say, this is the bare bones, now you you figure out how the movie goes? Or, or you actually did kind of write the storyline? More or less. Like, I was given specific tools to play in a sandbox. Okay. I could do anything with those tools in this specific gotcha. sandbox. Gotcha. Um, I think is the best way to put it. And there were many, her, like, there were specific things, like, they did, like, they're like, make sure there's no cursing. Make sure there's that this storyline hits, make sure this, that, like there were certain things that had to be, and I just had to work creatively to make sure those things happened. And it was somewhat enjoyable and believable. Um, And we got the script done. It's we're we're six, we're six weeks away from boots on the ground filming. And I'm on vacation with my now wife, then girlfriend. And I, 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 it's the shittiest way that this, it could have happened, but a, like a, like a D level friend of mine sent me a TMZ article that says Blake Heron passes away today at age of 30. I think he was 36 when he That's passed your friend. away. My friend. And, and I was like, no, like that's whatever, like that's, that shit's gotta be way wrong. So I pick up the phone and I call his then girlfriend and she's in tears. And I'm like, like I'm outside of my body. Like what is, what is going on? Like, cause we've all seen that TMZ report. So-and-so passes away. Duh, 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 duh. And it's like, you always brush it off. Like, Oh, that's, you know, that's sad, but whatever life, life goes on. But like when it's like, when it's like someone, you know, and it's real, it's like, it makes that shitty TMZ headline, like more Golly. tangible. You can like taste it. So like that was one, the worst way to ever have found out that your friend passed away. And then I, I get on the phone with like all, all the group of friends talking it through. And then like, I got to call our producer. I got to Curta. I got to call and let her know. And she, she's beside herself and crying and, you know, a few days go by and they kind of say, well, Maccabee, it's, it's up to you. If you want to keep going, we can keep going. If not, we understand it's a good script. It can live on its own and just sit there and collect dust. And I talked about it with my wife and I talked about it with other cast members and, and friends and everything. And, you know, obviously we continued to keep going, but I knew Blake would have been pissed. I knew he would have kicked me right in the and, ass. And had, Blake, had Blake was going to be the, the all American he hero, the all American hero. And so I went back to page one of the scripts and rewrote it. So, I could one cast someone new in that without recasting Blake. I needed to start fresh. I didn't want to cast someone in that character as Blake. I needed to cast this new character. So I rewrote that character. I rewrote some, some plot points. So I wasn't going to be directing someone as Blake because he was his own guy. Like just like he was his own brand of whiskey. Like nothing tasted like Blake as gross as that sounds. Um, (laughs) It was his own guy. So 
there was it was a trip and then getting to set and and we, luckily skip forward we cast randy wayne who's been in a million things he was rad he's a badass dude and played that role perfectly uh that new role perfectly right. no he wasn't like he was playing luke yeah so and yeah sorry about your friend that's tough how, how many years ago was that it's uh three years yeah. now yeah uh, yeah it was yeah, so so the executive producer, they are are they making this movie to be on TV? Was it already on TV? Where's like can people get it on Prime? Like what I I don't know what happens. Is is the executive producer hoping that this could be a stepping stone to making a big movie with Tom Hanks? Like just what's what's the mentality behind the scenes? Yeah, D all of the above. Um and I was fresh on, like I've been before making my own stuff before making Jesse, I worked on like reality TV, like producing and writing and directing that side. So stepping into the film side is like a whole new, whole new world. It's a whole new bag of tricks. So they honestly, they wanted to write this movie and direct this movie. So Hallmark would buy it. So lifetime would buy it. And I kept saying, listen, as much fun as, as those movies are, um, one, they don't ever buy something outside of their bubble. They make everything inside their own world, write, produce, and direct everything inside. And so come December, they're ready to go. So they don't buy anything outside. They're not like Netflix. Two, I think we can make something, the best way to put it is like an elevated version of those films. Like they're very good and they're very fun. They're very campy. We can do that, but we, I think we can make ours just a, 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 a different brand of that. Um, we should have done all of that before we started filming. So we shot the film and it took us forever to find distribution and thank God we did. And, and now it's out there on basically all the streaming platforms, everything minus Netflix. So you can buy it on iTunes. Like if you're like, man, I love that movie. I'm going to buy it. Yeah, you can buy it on iTunes. Please. It's such a weird time to tell people to go buy or rent stuff because the world's fire, but you can buy it. You can rent it. Please do more importantly go watch it because i'm sure it's on amazon prime for free but like leave a nice review yeah that's the best yeah probably do. yeah yeah people do that like if you like if you like hallmark movies you will not be disappointed it's a super fun moving movie so another question i love talking to a director like behind the scenes does the main characters and I, may, maybe maybe if you plan on watching this go ahead and push stop and come back to this conversation later because a little some spoiling here. So the woman that played his wife that passes away five minutes into the movie, does she is she trying to get the main role? And then you have to approach her and say, Hey, we want to use you. And she's like, Yeah, awesome. You're gonna die. And five minutes into it. Like, how does that work? Like, I mean, does she see it as, well, that's still cool, but I wish I could be the main yeah. one? like silver lining from Blake passing away were a lot of his old school actor friends. That was Brie Blair. She's in SWAT. She was also a child actor from like babysitters club back in the nineties and who's done a ton of stuff ever since. And is still very, very busy and does a lot of great work now. Um, she approached me and sent me an email after Blake's funerals. Like if you need someone, he had mentioned that you might be looking for that role, yeah. the role of the wife. I'd love to do Dang. it. Like read it. I'm in whatever you need. Yeah. Uh, that also happened with um, Sage's boyfriend, um, Alan. Right. 
who kind of pops up near near the middle of the film, um, played by Montu Interami, who's famous for Star Trek. Um, he came to me after Blake's passing and said, "Whatever you need, yeah. I'm in." So wait, let me um, let me ask you a question about him. You're trying to make him look like a creepo, right? Like because it's 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 hilarious because you see the guy, you already hear some of his past, like he he left his his sage his sage, right? Yeah, left her and and all, and you're like, oh, you he's a creepo. And then when you see him for the first time, you're like, he is a creepo. <laughs> he looks like one. And another thing that I observed too is, is it intentional? The main character, whether it's a female or male, the main character that's super good looking always has a best friend that's not as good looking. Is, is that on purpose so that the main character really is like, oh, that's the main dude. He, like, like I think of A Time to Kill and Matthew McConaughey, his sidekick, yeah. lawyer, it's not a good looking guy. I forgot his... I forget. Yeah. yeah. It's, again, going back to Blake. So when we were casting this film, it was Blake and going to be partnered with his real life best friend, Tony Denman, who plays Sean in the film the other doctor and they're like real life, like their chemistry on camera was like, yeah, of course those guys are, are besties. Um, so Tony was in. And then of course we hire Randy, who's like a, a walking male statue model. Um, and then Tony Denman, who's like the comedic sidekick, like funny guy. He's the funny guy. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So the executive producer pays you to do it. Is okay. Yes. That was my first like, someone's paying me to write a thing that's not reality television. Gotcha. Gotcha. And is, is it, so all, all the actors, actresses, they all get paid. I mean, it just seems like I, I don't, I don't know, but if, if it's not like a movie that goes big time and is in the main theaters and everything, I mean, is, it seems like maybe everybody's doing it to potentially build a career, but not make a lot of money. There can't be a lot of money in this. Is there? No, no. One, there's not a lot of money in, unless you're like an Avengers movie. Right. Like there's not a lot of money in independent filmmaking. Like everyone got paid and it was legit, but which was cool about it. Like everyone showed up on set, actors, crew, PAs, myself, the coffee guy showed up and they knew the style of movie we were making and knew the amount everyone was getting paid. And were in like there was no like ego like getting in the way like i'm not coming out until i get my blah 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 it's like everyone showed up on time wrapped like we never went over there was no overtime yeah. like everyone showed up to work had fun and had a good time afterward and dug into their hard roles like there's a few of those scenes they may be cheesy but there's a few of those scenes like spreading the ashes um luke sitting in front of his dead wife spoiler dead wife and like having this no dialogue moment with her, right. there's a three or four scenes that like took some digging. Yeah. Like it's not just show up and say words. It's really like dig into an emotion. If I'm not feeling it watching the monitor, I'm the first audience Then no one's sure. going to do yeah. it. Let's really dig in. And there was a few of those that where they really nailed it and showed up to play. Like there was no ego. It was nice. Yeah. yeah. Sweet. So what's next for you? What, what are you working on something currently? And what, what's like your dream? Like if your career could go anywhere, what would it be like to be the next Wes Craven or what? Oh, I mean, to be, well, to be honest in the state of the world right now, my dream would just to be continued to work. Right. Right. <laughs> right. Um, but I'm lucky. So right after Jesse, 
was made and is out in the world now. Um, one of the actors from it, Kelly Kula, uh, she plays Sean's girlfriend at the party and you see her a, a few other scenes, uh, came to me and she was like, listen, I, 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 I want to work with you again. We had a really good chemistry. Um, let, let, let's make something. Why don't you write me, write, if you can't write me an action comedy short, let's, let's have fun with it. And I said, that's not really my thing. Like action comedy isn't my thing, but I have this horror idea. Um, let's do that. She read it. She loved it. And we filmed that last uh, November or December. And right now it's, busy in the festivals Sweet. and all the doing, doing its thing. Um, I love horror. Horror is my thing. If I could continue writing and hopefully getting paid to write and direct horror, um, then th that's, that's what I'd Sweet. like to do. Hopefully good. But I'm, we're, we're pregnant. We found out we were pregnant Dang. like two weeks before the world shut down. So if I could write and direct horror that hopefully my daughter could watch also at the same time. Um, <laughs> at 18 at least, right? <laughs> Don't try to yeah. make a horror movie for a seven-year-old. It'll suck. <laughs> oh, that's funny. You, you got to go Casper, the friendly ghost, I guess. <laughs> I know, we gotta go, we'll have to go Casper on it. So I have a theory that Priscilla is well aware of, and I want to present it to you, Ellen. Okay. Are you ready? Uh, Are you ready? Does it matter? Okay. Yeah. Are you ready? So I don't think that there's really a huge importance in honesty or dishonesty. I feel like there is an importance with when you say something, is it selfish or when you say something, is it selfless? In other words, there are many selfless lies, and there's many selfish lies. If you tell a selfish lie to, to save face, to deceive someone, to gain on their expense, or any of that, that's not good. But there are so many lies that are very selfless. And what was your pushback when we were talking about this? Because I'm going to nail you. <laughs> That's oh weird, but I I just <laughs> that's weird. I don't know if you <laughs> I don't know if you've ever heard, I don't know if you ever heard Joey say this before, Ellen. But I I feel like no offense, no offense taken. Okay, I, feel I don't like even know I what you're gonna say, but no offense roll taken. Roll my eyes at that. I'm so tired of this debate because it's so intriguing. But I'm just annoyed that you think lying's okay. I don't like it. Oh my gosh. Okay, so the reason my pushback is. Joe, like now Ellen is going to be a little bit of our therapist just for a second. Like, I feel like Joey will assume something about how I'm going to react. And so then you are going to make a decision based on how you think I'm going to respond to a situation. You do that with finances and stuff like that. So I think that falls in the same category. Like you think you might need to do a little, you might need to say it this way because that's going to really hurt their feelings. And so I'm going to say this little white lie because I care about them. But really, you think you know more than everyone. You just can't say that. And I don't think in general you think oh, you know everyone. Oh, but oh. like in those scenarios, you think you just have it all figured out. And so then you start doing that. And I just think you just need to be honest. All right. Cool. Got my paper ready. <laughs> all right. Well, okay, does, Joey. You know what, Ellen? Priscilla, you, um, you are a wise, wise woman. You're smiling, She's definitely smarter than me. She's, I, I, I will certainly 
concede to her being smarter than me. Street smarts, maybe not book smarts like with history and science, but she's smart with that too. But not I think, really. I didn't study but that. But Joey, you school. can't. It is you're saying such a broad thing, and she's just saying, "Well, for this." Did you just call be- her a broad? You called her a broad. That's dumb. Just that's, let her. I think say. That's what she said. <laughs> no. Um, but she's are you starting kinda, to not like me, Ellen? She, she's she's picking apart your argument. Okay, deal with it. She okay, has well, a good I'm about point. to pick it back you apart. You also do. Okay, the the gentle lady yields her time. Joey, you have three minutes. Okay, three minutes. <laughs> I've been watching right. the news all day. All right. All right. There is a a uh, so the first one has to do with with old ladies. So there's an old lady. She lives by herself. There's a. Is garage. this an example, she, by the way? Yes, okay. it's, an, it's an example of if <laughs> if you if you don't lie in this situation, you're an asshole. All right, a freaking asshole. All right, so you're an old lady. You're deathly afraid of snakes. Snakes are just the worst thing ever. But hey, in the South, in the summer, there's going to be snakes around. I go to my grandma's house. I go into her garage, and I, I find a snake. I grab that snake, and I take it outside, and... There's some rustling around and, you know, just because I grab it real quick because I don't want her to come out there. I go in the house. She's just like, what was that? What was all that commotion? Oh, I just, there's a bag that I just picked up and threw it in the trash can real real quick and I dropped the trash can. Sorry about that. If I tell her there's a snake in her garage, it is going to bother her the whole day. Why do that to her? That's so annoying. Okay, here's another one. Here's another one. Wait, we should be able to I want you to attack all of them. Okay, respond. Yeah, one, one at, at a time. time, because as you know, we both have ADHD, which I've just diagnosed Priscilla <laughs> yeah. with, and so we'll forget. We'll forget no, what you, we're going to say. You, you label Priscilla. You, so don't don't steam. I'm in agreement. Don't steamroll us real quick. Uh, right. My only problem with that is that you are assuming how she's going to feel. But I know her. She's my grandma. I've Great, seen her. That's how fine. She re- she's also a person. Okay. Um, number two, you're planting a seed. Of deceit, and that is where bigger lies come from. So, if you but are what? very comfortable with the little lies that think that you're protecting someone, that's fine. No harm was done. But who are you to say that it's these lies are okay because they build? Right, but that's where you draw a distinction. This is a selfless lie. This is a selfish lie. Like if I were to have gone out there and broken something that was dear to her, and uh, I know that she's losing her mind a little bit, and I sweep it up real quick and throw it in the trash can so she doesn't even remember it, and she says, what was that? Oh, don't even mention it. It was that old broken window that Grandpa put out there, and I just threw it out back because I didn't want her to know that her mother's vase was just broken. That's selfish. I'm trying to protect myself instead of just saying, I'm so sorry, Grandma. I messed up your vase. It's not selfish for me to say, I was picking up trash and not tell her there's a snake. But it's condescending. It's, a, it's not condescending. I mean, I also get it. I lie to my kid all day long. I get Thank it. Thank you. I get it. <laughs> I don't like I've it. I've got two more. No, but I want to respond. I want to hear your response. I want to respond to that because, in my opinion, the upstanding thing to do is if you have knowledge of the fact that she has a huge fear of snakes, instead of hiding it from her, take the extra steps to make sure I... I okay, the noise was a snake, but I want to let you know. I looked under everything in your garage. I went all around the back. There are no more snakes Why out there. Why even tell her? Why? Because now you told her the truth. She's not a baby. She's a person. Oh gosh, but she's and now die she knows. In five years. She doesn't need to know there's well, a snake. Well, maybe in there. she needs a little excitement, you know? <laughs> <laughs> okay, another one. 
has to do with grandma, and this actually really did happen. Grandma, so God, I'm uh, so glad I don't have any grandparents. This is so yeah, stressful. All of ours are gone now. <laughs> all of ours are gone. So the woman that I'm talking about, she's gone. Did and, she uh, die so, of a, sta- a snake bite? No, she actually just died peacefully in her bed. She went to bed one night and she didn't wake up, and she uh, was sound mind. That is, she was so taking awesome. care of herself. See, she look was how much living time by she herself. Spent being afraid of snakes. Well, that wasn't true. That was hypothetical. Oh. But yeah. All right. So we actually took a picture of her with our girls. It was when we only had our two girls, no boys. Nice picture with them and their great grandma. So we just thought it would be a great idea if she likes puzzles. And so for her birthday, we made a puzzle out of that picture. When she opened it up, she didn't react how we sh- how we thought she was going to react. But she definitely said, oh, wow, that is so nice. But Within a minute or two, and I had never heard my grandma say something like this because she's just not the type. She literally said, oh, wow, I really look old. I think she didn't like her teeth. Okay, teeth, old, whatever she said. My response was, no. Oh, my gosh, you're beautiful in that picture. You're saying you're lying? She was. no, if no, what are you saying? Diff- this is different. no. Listen, listen. <laughs> I think I think you're right. She did say that it was her teeth. Her teeth are jacked up. She's ninety. She's been using those teeth for ninety years. <laughs> well, actually, when when she got her permanent teeth, so eighty eight. <laughs> when you get your permanent teeth, you know what I'm saying. Eighty five years. She's been using those things forever. They are old. They're run down, and they don't look good. She makes a comment saying, "My teeth don't look good." No, this this is a great picture. Your your teeth look fine. Is that wrong? Why wouldn't you just say? Yeah, you're right, Grandma. Or uh, you I can feel say, like there's something else be- between lying and making her feel worse. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. That's my whole point. Selfish or she unselfish? Said, but t- no, you're being black and white, and she's saying there's something in between lying. Y'all are being the black and white ones. Y'all are saying don't lie. She's saying you can say something besides lying or making her feel bad about her teeth. You could say... What's the proper response? This picture is so precious. You look amazing in this picture. And she does. You just don't acknowledge Or you could say, but who cares? We're all... Look how good... Like, but we're all together. Who cares? Look how bad I look. That's what or I would you do. Can, or, <laughs> or you can make her happy by saying your teeth actually don't look bad. Unless, Joey, you're assuming in these scenarios that they believe you. Yeah, this is is true. It is it is minimize. It's basically and it hurts more when some you know someone's lying to you about the way you look. Mm -hmm. It feels kind of bad. It feels a little condescending. Like you just be a little more like that. Just that's not real. I love it when my being real. I like when my husband's like. I mean, I don't. I don't love it. I like the other one better. All right. Well, here, here's mm-hmm. this is a real. I've got two more. This is a real scenario for me, and it took me a while to realize that my friend was actually lying. So <laughs> it was my first year to coach basketball, and I did a decent job, but I'd never coached basketball before. I can play basketball. I remember some things, but I didn't play in high school, so I wasn't the greatest coach. So when we would play an average team, we would hang with them, uh, but we usually wouldn't win. We played an unbelievable team, unbelievable team, and they freaking destroyed us because I didn't teach our girls something, and the other team was just taking advantage Which of it. Which was how I mean, to play ki- basketball. Oh, just <laughs> killing us, taking advantage of it. 
that happened to be the day where some of my friends from school came and watched. I was hu- humiliated. I was like, this is the worst time they could have come. I don't know come. this story. How old right, so, are you in this? How old are you? 22. 22. Okay. So one of my friends said, oh, dude, it wasn't that bad. I actually took what he said and was like, oh, I guess it wasn't that bad. It wasn't until years later I realized that was complete BS. He knew it was bad, but it actually made me feel a little bit better. So I, I guess it wasn't that bad. What's To me, it made me feel a little better especially right in the moment of being really upset about being destroyed and my players are embarrassed and all that stuff. I was like, oh, okay. I just, okay. That's kind. That's yeah, kind. Yeah, but had he no, been truthful, cheap. it would have squashed it right there and you wouldn't have thought about it all these years later. <laughs> it doesn't bother me now. I just feel like that's like cheap easy kindness. That's oh, not, wow. that's that's a, not like that's, real. Yeah. Y'all are the black and white ones. No, I'm not trying to be mean. I'm just saying you can still be kind and be like, in the grand scheme of things, it's fine. But yeah, that was a big blowout. And I mean, this is this happens. You learn. Now you know. Whatever. Right. I think it's, or, a, it's a matter of, like, humor to me is, yeah. is really, really how to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, because I would have been like, yeah, I was bad, Joe. And then... <laughs> Make a joke. <laughs> yeah. Well, my friend made me feel better than what you have made me feel. Mm. Just FYI. That's <laughs> and that's fine. <laughs> All right. So this this one, I I pray to God, both of you as mothers, for oh, crying out don't, loud. Don't lay that on us as a parent. No. Then parent. She's not phased by that. Parent. No. Yeah, that's right. You, you kind of hope something bad happens. To your kids. <laughs> that's not true. Just, I, everybody knows I'm kidding. Okay. No, there's not one person that thinks that Ellen wants something bad to happen to her kids. <laughs> All right, so I, lo- I love making stories. Like I know the concept, but check this out. I'm going to make this story up. So the boys are on the bus. Two boys. We got a ten year old and eight year old. The eight year old uh, to walk out of the bus grabs his book bag and swings it around his shoulder. Hits a fifth grader in his head, and the fifth grader is bigger than both of our boys, and said, I'm going to kick your ass when I get off of this bus. I'm going to get off my bus stop, and I'm going to come to your house. I know where you live. I'm going to bust your ass. My oldest son is like, oh, my gosh, this is crazy. So they go home. They go inside. We're not home. We're at work. They're home. And William says, Waylon, just go upstairs right now, and I'll take care of this. Now, William's scared of this guy, too, because he's big. Guy comes to the door. He's just like, where's your, where's your brother? He's like, oh, my, my, he's not here. When, when we are dropped off, my grandparents are here. They pick him up right away. He's not even here. Oh, he's better. He's lucky. Totally diffuses the situation. He's not mad at our older brother. He's mad at the younger brother. Older brother says he's not even here. Case closed. It's a great lie. It's a fantastic lie. Thank I mean. You. So is sheltering Jews and saying they're not under the floorboards. I mean, what's Amen. your point? What's your point? Amen. My what it, point is, is, is it that you're trying to make it okay? Lie. No, I'm trying to show how legalistic fundamentalist Christians like both of y'all are just constantly making lies like this horrible, horrible thing where there are so many good lies. I mean, don't get me started. I could give you dozens more I'm good not, lies. You just you, said, I'm Reese like Witherspoon's saying that. in a movie called first of The all, Good Lie. Joey, first of all, you never gave us 
a chance to answer your initial damn question. Because okay? there's no good answer. There's no... It's, okay, I'll listen. All I'm saying is, yeah, I agree with you. Selfish lies are worse than selfless lies. Selfless lies are good, is what I'm saying. They are good. Good. But like my... righteous and good? Mm. Yes. Selfish yeah. lies. So not telling the truth if it protects someone or is in you know the benefit of someone else is where, righteous true and good where do you draw the line you said yourself there's not one person on this conversation or listener who would say oh yeah they actually should have told the nazis that the jews were under the floors they should right. have because they lied nobody's going to say that where do you draw the line I mean, this is a very subjective thing, and I'm just saying it's not subjective when you think, is this a selfless act by me not telling the truth? The only time that I feel okay about it is when you are actually protecting someone from danger. The other things, you're not, you're like, you're like thinking you're protecting them from emotional turmoil. Yeah. That can be really harmful. Yeah. You think that you know what they think. And then you start lying because you think you know what they think. And that's where you get yourself in trouble. That's what annoys me. I don't like that. It actually is like it it belittles the person. Like you think they're weak. You have to give someone a chance to feel their feelings, Joey. Okay. Well, this morning when you asked me if those jeans make you look fat, they do. (laughs) I'm not even wearing jeans. She didn't ask me that. I would have never said that if she did. All right. So last. (laughs) You're terrible. (laughs) Last thing. <laughs> Here's a moral dilemma that I've been in for a while. There's a... I feel there's like you a, get yourself into moral dilemmas. Do you know that? Yes, no, I No, it comes to me. It's, you seek no. them out. You seek them out. There's a restaurant. He worries. You overworry. You overthink. When over-worry. I say Moe's, does that make sense I to need you? To sh- you know I need to is? mail you guys some weed. Do you, <laughs> do you know <laughs> Moe's? The restaurant Moe's? Do you know what that is? Do you guys have Moe's? I don't think we have Chipotle. 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 Well, of course we have a Chipotle. We're not savages. Okay. (laughs) That kind of restaurant. That kind of restaurant. We've got a Barberitos in Charleston. We've got Moe's. We've got all those sorts of things. I cannot tell you this happens the majority of the time. And I finally gave up. I get in line and I'm like a no carbs guy. So I specifically say double meat, no beans, no rice. That's all I say. Double meat, no beans, no rice. By the time it gets to the end of the line, nobody knows that it's double meat. And I swear to you, like the first five times it happened, I said, oh, yeah, by the way, it's double meat. And finally, I was like, I'm not going to do the restaurant job for them. If they want to give me double meat for the price of single meat, I'm going to take it. And so from now on, if they don't tell the cash the cashier person that is double meat, I don't say anything. I'm like, I'm not doing their job. I can't believe I got childcare for this shit. 